Welcome to the RSCC podcast. Thanks for joining us today. My name's Adam and I'm on staff here at RSCC. Here at RSCC, we believe that you matter and that God loves you so much. If you want to know more about RSCC or to keep up with what's going on, follow us on social media at RSCC Family or visit our website at rsccfamily.org. We would love to connect with you. I hope you enjoy the message today. So I'm so excited just to be here. I've, I've had the opportunity to, to play basketball here. I've had the opportunity to preach here before, and I've worshiped with you guys probably four or five times in the last decade, and I'm excited. So look at the person on the right of you and say, you look good this morning. Come on, participate. Oh yeah, look at the person on the left of you and say, you look better than that person. Can you do that? No? Don't ever sit by yourself. You won't be encouraged. And so uh, we're excited this morning. I, uh, I have the opportunity to, to speak and to share something with you that God has just laid on my heart. And I had no idea, no idea that five years ago, six years ago now, that I was gifted with the greatest sermon illustration of all time. I've been a pastor for 21 years, and I thought in those 21 years, I, I thought, you know what, I've got a lot of good sermon illustrations, you know, life lessons, all those things. But six years ago, I was blessed with the greatest sermon illustration ever when God gave me a son. God gave me a son, and I had no idea when I held him in my arms for the very first time that I could preach about his life because he is crazy. Absolutely crazy. We're gonna pause in a second and pray for whoever's watching him in kids' area right now, okay? He's nuts. He's fun, but he's crazy. And I absolutely love it. I literally can follow him around and I can think about, oh, he just did that. I could preach on that. Oh, I could, that's in a sermon illustration. Oh, wait till, I, wait till I tell the church what he just did. And so one of the things that I love about my son, I'm not sure if, um, how smart he's gonna be. I really, I, I don't know. So he starts kindergarten in August. I, I don't know, right? I'm not the brightest tool in the shed, so I don't know what, what he's going to be. But I can tell you this. When it comes to mechanical things, when it comes to fine motor skills, he's off the charts. He never rode a bicycle with training wheels. Never rode a bicycle. At three years old, he's riding a bicycle. At three years old, he rode a dirt bike for the very first time. I'll never forget we're at, we're at a friend's house and he's sitting on this dirt bike and I'm trying to explain to him, this is the throttle. This is how you stop it. And all he did through the little helmet he's wearing, he kept looking at me and going, dad, I got it. Dad, I got it. Dad, I got it. And I'm like, fine, kid, get it, right? Fall, I don't care at this point, learn a lesson. That kid got on that dirt bike and he rode that thing around that yard for 30 minutes and never fell once. So a couple months ago, we're getting ready for Christmas. And I thought to myself, what would be something cool that we could do together? I have an, a, a grown-up scooter, you know, one that you get on, one that you can rent at big cities. So I have one of those. And so my wife and I got together and we thought, let's get him an electric scooter, an electric scooter. And most of those scooters for those little kids, they go like five miles an hour. And I'm thinking, we got to do better than that. I said, I want to get one that goes like 15 miles an hour. I mean, because mine will go that fast, and so we got to get one that's got some speed on it. So I found myself at the worst place you could ever find yourself, the Friday after Thanksgiving, Walmart. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. But I grabbed me a cup of coffee, and I find myself walking around Walmart. 
I don't know why, I love chaos, and so maybe I was thinking there's gonna be some fist fights or something going on, but here I am in Walmart, walking around with my coffee. I walk around the corner, and lo and behold, in the middle of the aisle is a pallet full of electric scooters. Now, these electric scooters that we've been looking at are usually a couple hundred dollars. And so I'm thinking to myself, man, here's an electric scooter, and there's a sign on the pile that says $54.99. So I do what every good husband does. I pick up the phone and I call my wife. And I say, babe, listen to this. There's an electric scooter that goes 15 miles an hour. Can we get one? She says, you already have one. I said, not for me, for our kid. She says, yes. So man, I was so excited. I hung up that phone, I grabbed that scooter. I was hoping the $54 was right at Walmart. You never know, you know? So I take it up front, we scan that thing, $54. I put it in the back of my Jeep, I drive home. I'm thinking to myself, you know, in a couple of days, I'll pull it out and then we'll wrap it, you know, and all that stuff. Cause let's be honest, you know, Santa gets a lot of credit for stuff. Well, Santa ain't getting credit for the scooter. Dad's getting credit for the scooter. Mom's getting credit for the scooter. Santa gets too much credit. I think Santa, honestly, from this point forward, should only get credit for underwear and socks. We, should, we work too hard, moms and dads, too hard to not get any credit. And so what I'm thinking in my head is, you know, I'll leave it back there, then we'll wrap it, we'll give it to him at Christmas. Well, a couple days later, some of our best friends are at the house. They have a little boy, he's three years old, named Braxton. He's really good friends with my son. Every time he's at the house, they like to play hide and seek. So they go, they start playing hide and seek. Well, lo and behold, I'm in the kitchen making dinner, and all of a sudden, the garage door opens. And I'm thinking, well, who's it going in the garage? Well, my son decides to go into the garage. He gets into my Jeep and crawls into the trunk to hide. Well, there in the trunk is the scooter. I'm in the kitchen, have no idea what's going on. All of a sudden, this little five-year-old comes running in the kitchen. He looks at me and goes, Dad, 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 is the scooter mine? What scooter? The scooter, Dad. Dad, is the scooter mine? My wife hears this. She kind of looks over at me. I look at her, and I'm like, what is he? I said, what scooter? He goes, the one in your trunk. Is it mine? I'm thinking, why are you in my trunk? He says, Dad, all I want to know is, is that scooter mine? I said, yes, son, that's your scooter. He goes, can I open it? Can I open it? Can I open it right now? So I go to the trunk, I get the scooter, my wife and I have a conversation, you know, do we make him wait on principle? Of course not, right? We pop open the scooter, he's amazing at it, it's awesome, it's so much fun. A couple days later, Saturday rolls around, it's a little cool in Florida, which is not normal, and so it's a little cool, and so he wakes up, we're up early, he says, hey dad, what do you say we go to the park, but we ride our scooters? I said, man, that's a great idea. I said, why don't you go get dressed, I'll go get dressed, We'll go to the park. Now you gotta understand the park, it's about a half mile from our house. It is AstroTurf. It's amazing, beautiful. Beautiful playground equipment, AstroTurf, a great park bench for dads to sit on while the kids play because I can't fit down a slide, so I don't play on it. I just sit. So I'm thinking, yeah, so I go, I get a sweatshirt, he gets dressed, I put on my scooter riding shoes. We get on the scooter, we drive to the park, and for some crazy reason, no one is at the park. I don't know if it's because it rained the night before, if it's too cold, I have no idea. So we get there and Jay's, my son's really good at playing by himself and so JJ's over there playing by himself, doing his whole thing. A couple minutes goes by and I'm sitting on the park bench. He comes over and he says, hey dad, you wanna go on an adventure? And I'm like, I thought we were on an adventure. 
He goes, no, Dad, let's go on an adventure. I said, okay, where? He goes, over there. Well, over there is just a field. Like, literally a field. And so I'm like, um, what do you mean? He goes, Dad, let's go explore. So I stand up and I go, okay, we're done. He's, no, Dad, Dad, let's go over there. It's muddy. Dad, we can go find things. And so I'll never forget, I'm standing at the park on the AstroTurf, and I look at my son, and I look at the muddy field. And I look at my son, and I look at the muddy field, and then I look down at my shoes. And I'm thinking, I didn't bring my exploring, get muddy shoes. I brought my ride a scooter, sit on AstroTurf park bench shoes. And so here he is, just all jacked up, ready to go. And I'm like, JJ, I'm not, but if, if my, he goes, Dad, come on, let's go. Let's go on an adventure. And I'll never forget, as I stood there, looking at the muddy field, looking at my shoes, and then looking to the eyes of my son. And I realized that if I wasn't careful, I was gonna miss out on an adventure because I was scared to get my shoes dirty. And so I did what every good dad did. I said, son, let's go. And I'll never forget for the next hour, we walked around a completely muddy, empty field. And his imagination was going, and we had an adventure, and we were pirates, and we were cowboys, and we were everything you could think of out there in that field. And when we got back on our scooter to go home, my shoes were completely filthy. And when I looked down at those shoes, I didn't think, oh, man. When I looked down at those shoes, you know what I thought? Man, that was a blast. And if I wasn't careful, I was going to miss out on the adventure because I was too worried about keeping my shoes clean. As I rounded the corner back to my house, God began to speak to me. God began to ask me the question, Chad, what adventures spiritually are you missing out on because you don't want to get your shoes dirty? And I thought, what do you mean, God? What do you mean? And he said it again. And it was as if God was literally right there. He says, Chad, what adventures spiritually are you missing out on in life because you don't want to get your shoes dirty? And what I've learned in the 21 years that I've been a pastor is this. God wants to use spiritual adventures to help us grow. God wants to use spiritual adventures to help us grow. And I know what you're thinking. Some of you are thinking this, I'm too old to go on a spiritual adventure. Or my spiritual adventure, it's done. It's done. I'm too old for this, I don't wanna do it, I got other things that I'm going on, I got other things that I'm supposed to be doing. Listen, I'm not interested in a spiritual adventure. And I learned this a long time ago. It doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter how young you are, God still wants you to grow. God still wants you to grow. And somebody once told me this, if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. If you have a pulse, you still have a purpose. I had the opportunity to be raised by my grandparents. My grandparents raised me. When I was 10 years old, my biological father, he walked out and left. 
When I was 12 years old, my mom passed away. So my mom's parents, at the age of 55, adopted me and my two sisters. I was raised by some of the most hardworking individuals you've ever seen. My dad, my granddad, I called him dad. He's been my dad since I was 13. He passed away November 13th of last year at the age of 87 years old. My mom and dad, they both lived with me and my wife for 12 years. So for 12 years, the last 12 years, I got to see my mom and dad every single day. On November 13th, my 87-year-old dad, granddad, passed away. My 88-year-old grandmother, mom, still lives with us to this day. My dad used to always tell me this. He said, Chad, I'm going to retire one time. He said, and after I retire, you better bury me because I'm going to stink. And I always used to laugh. He'd say, seriously. He said, you better bury me. What he was saying is this. He says, I'm going to work until the day I die. Now, the work that he did the last 10 years of his life was not a nine to five. My 87-year-old dad, the last 10 years of his life, he committed himself to serve the community. You know, the day my dad died, he had just returned a U-Haul van. A U-Haul van, because that day, he fed 500 homeless people in Orlando. 87 years old. He returned the rental van. My mom picked him up drove him to the house. I'm standing in the driveway when he gets there. I open up the car door. He has a hard time standing. I say, Dad, what is wrong? He says, I have an unbearable headache. I help him into the house, and just a few hours later, he had a brain aneurysm and died. He always told me, Chad, I'm going to work, and I'm going to serve until the day I die. Because he said, Chad, if I have a pulse, I still have a purpose. I believe that there are many people, some of you in this room, some of you in this room, you're missing out on what God wants to do in you and through you because you are done taking spiritual adventures. You don't want to get your shoes dirty. You don't want to get your life dirty. You don't want to get your hands dirty. You're just comfortable doing what you've been doing. And I'm here to tell you today, that I do not want you to miss out on a spiritual adventure because you're trying to keep your shoes clean. If you have a pulse, you have a purpose. As a church, you're walking through a very difficult season right now. You're walking through a difficult season. I look out at you and I know that your lead minister is no longer with you. In the next few weeks, the next few months are going to be very difficult. And you know what? Honestly, some of you, it's not going to change one thing about how you live. You're going to do what you've been doing. You're going to come to church. You're going to walk through the doors. You're going to fill a seat. You're going to sing. You're going to listen. You're going to take communion. You're going to listen to the announcements, and then you're going to go home. And I'm here to tell you today that right now in the season and life of this church, it is time for you to step in and to get your shoes dirty. Because you do not need a lead minister 
to minister to the people of this city, of this town, of this county. Because God wants to use you. But for many people, you don't take the adventure. You don't take the step. And you're like me, standing on the astroturf, looking at a muddy field, and you're thinking, eh, not interested. Been there, done that. Not prepared. And in reality, you're going to miss out on something that God wants to do in you and through you because you don't want to get messy. Now, some of you, you're scared to step out because of the mess. Literally just the mess. What is the mess? What is the mess? I'll tell you what the mess is. The mess for some of you is brokenness. Brokenness. In your life, you feel broken. There's a circumstance or a situation in your life that has literally broken you. And you are sitting in these chairs this morning as a broken individual. And you think, because I am broken, God cannot use me. Some of you, it's bitterness. Bitterness has creeped into your life. There's some things that have happened that have been outside of your control, some things you didn't agree with, some things that you would have done different, and because of bitterness, you're missing out on an adventure that God wants to take you on. Oh, I'm not bitter. Yes, you are. And your bitterness will keep you in bondage. Some of you, it's the uncertainty of what lies ahead. It's the uncertainty. You don't know what the next step holds, and so you're just going to stay on the sideline and let somebody else do it. And when you take that approach, I'm here to tell you that you're missing out on the adventure that God wants to take you on. And as I stated at the beginning, a spiritual adventure will help you grow. And everybody in this room, no matter the age you are, the young to the old, you still got room to grow. Some of you, it's the obstacles. I'm too busy. I don't have enough time. I don't know what to do. They don't need me. Some of you, it's a crisis. Everywhere you turn, something bad happens. Everywhere you turn, there's a crisis. And so I'm, I'm over here putting out this fire. I can't help. I can't serve. I can't step in. God, I, I, I can't yet. I got to fix this. And I, then as soon as that fire is put out, I got to go put out this fire. And when that one's put out, I got to put out this one. And so what you find yourself is trying to deal with all the crisis. And what God's saying is, listen, just peace. Just have peace. But because of your brokenness, because of your bitterness, your uncertainty, because of the obstacles in your life or the crisis, you just still stand on the astroturf. And God's saying, let's go on an adventure. Let's do this together. And what I've found to be true more than anything is that God wants to use people just like you and me to reach people just like you and me. Let me say that again. God wants to use people just like you and me to reach people just like you and me. Well, I don't think he could ever use me. Let me tell you, there's somebody that thinks that and God's waiting on you to reach them. Well, I'll wait until we get, a, uh, I'll wait until we get another lead minister. 
You know, I, I mean, that's, that, let's be honest. That's his job. No, that's not his job. That's our job. That's your job. There are people in Rising Sun, Indiana. There are people that live in this county. There are people that you work with, that you go to school with. There are neighbors that God wants to use you to reach them. You don't need a lead minister at Rising Sun Church of Christ to reach people. God's called us to reach people. God's called us. How do I know this is what God wants? How do I know that God wants to use people like me to reach people like me? How do I know God wants to use people like you to reach people like you? Well, let's look. In the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 14, there's a passage of scripture, and it's actually one of my favorite miracles of all time. It's probably one of the first miracles I ever learned as a kid, and it's the feeding of the 5,000. How many of you have heard the feeding of the 5,000? Man, it's amazing, because you know, they tell you it's not 5,000, there was women, there was children, so it was probably close to 20,000. And so many times, what we do is we find ourselves reading the Bible, and instead of really absorbing it, we say, that's a great story. Well, let me tell you something. This isn't just a great story. This is a spiritual adventure that God took a group of people on. In the same way that God took these people on a spiritual adventure, that same God wants to take you on one as well. Let's read what it says. It says, as soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed, and of course, they followed him on foot from many towns. Verse 14 says, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Look at the next passage here. It says, that evening, the disciples they came to him and they said, this is a remote place. The disciples gathered together. They went to Jesus and they said, Jesus, listen, here's the deal. All these people have gathered. We're in a remote place. He said, it's, they said, it's already getting late. Jesus, it's getting late. This is what you need to do. Jesus, send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. I love the disciples because the disciples didn't just bring Jesus a problem. They also brought Jesus a solution. If you've ever been in any management position ever, that's the kind of people you want, right? You don't want people that can just point out a problem. You want people that can point out a problem but have a solution. So here the disciples put their heads together and they said, here's the situation. It's getting late, there's a lot of people, they're gonna be hungry really soon. Let's disperse them now so there's not a riot when they're hungry. And I love Jesus' response. The way that I picture it is Jesus was probably reclined on the hillside, leaning on a rock. And probably without much um, energy in his voice, just with a lot of certainty, Jesus says this, that isn't necessary. You feed them. Now we read this and we're like, oh yeah, what a great thing. No, but seriously, can you imagine the disciples standing in front of Jesus? And Jesus says, listen, that's not necessary. You feed them. The disciples look at each other and go, who are you talking to? Who? Who feed them? Did he not just, did he, Jesus, we, we can't feed them. Jesus, how, I, what, what am I gonna do? Look at what he says here, this next one. But we, 
but we. Jesus, all we have is five loaves of bread and two fish, and we stole that. That's all we could find. Jesus, there's thousands. Verse 18, Jesus being Jesus says this, bring them here. You know, when we read this, if we're not careful, we just read it fast. We just say, oh, Jesus did this, and they brought it, and he broke it, and he did it, and then all these people were fed. Isn't that cool? But when we truly break this down, there's so many lessons that we can learn from this one passage. God wants to teach us from this one passage. Do you know what I see from this? I see that the disciples took what they had. They took what they had. When they took what they had, they brought it to him. They brought it to him. What is Jesus asking us to do? Jesus is asking us to bring him what we have. Well, I don't have much. Neither did they. Well, if I only had more, then I could. Jesus didn't say, go find more. He said, bring what you have to me now. Bring them now. Jesus is telling all of us that same thing this morning. That same thing. He's saying, whatever you have, bring it to me. Well, I don't have anything. Do you have a pulse? I believe everybody in this room has a pulse. If you have a pulse, you have a purpose. Bring that, but that's all I got. That's fine. God can take whatever you have, and this is what he does to it. Then he took the people, he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took what they had brought him, he looked towards heaven, and he blessed it. Before he blessed it, it was just the fish and the loaves. But then he blessed it, and then he broke it. You know, it's so funny to me because people all the time, they're like, God, I want a blessing. God bless me. God, can you bless us? God, please bless us. God bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. And God says, well, before I bless you, you've got to come to me. If you'd come to me, if you brought me what you had, then I would bless you. And so then we muster up enough courage to give God what we have. So we take God what we have, as little as it is, we give it to God and God blesses it, and then all of a sudden we expect everything to be great. But what comes after the blessing? The breaking. And that's where people fall apart. God, I gave up on church. God, I gave up on it, but you know what? I started going to church again. I started going to church, and God, I prayed for a blessing on my church, and now all of a sudden our lead minister goes. What are we going to do now? And so what happens is people oftentimes, when God begins to break them, they begin to bail. And they don't realize that it's part of the process. God always, always, throughout Scripture, uses the broken. Some of you don't think God can use you because you're broken. And I'm here to tell you today, God can't use you until you're broken. My life is falling apart. Perfect. That's when God wants to use you. But I don't have perfect. 
That's what God wants to use. Don't take my word for it. This is what happens. He breaks it, and then he gave the bread back to the disciples. Because remember at the beginning, he said, you feed them. So the disciples take what was blessed and then broken, and they do it. They do it. The people, they feed the people. They didn't wait for Jesus to feed the people. They fed the people. And then what's amazing is they said they ate all, they all ate as much as they wanted. How many likes a good buffet? Just me? I love a good buffet. I mean a good one. Because I want to eat until I can't eat no more. These people had a buffet. So much so that it says, and afterwards the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. 12 baskets. One for each disciple. Do you know why? Because God is not a God of enough. We serve a God that is more than enough. And God wanted every one of those disciples that doubted at the beginning to walk back to his feet with their own basket. So when they walked back to Jesus, can you imagine? I guarantee you some of those disciples thought they were the only one that had leftovers. And then as they laid that basket at Jesus' feet, they counted them out and there's 12 baskets. You see, what happens is when we bring God our enough and we allow him to bless it and break it, it always becomes more than enough. The problem is we don't bring him enough. We don't bring him what we have. We think we have to wait until we get all of this before God will bless it. And God's saying, stop. Just bring me what you currently have. Well, God, if I only had more time. Well, God, if I only had more education. Well, God, if I was only a little bit younger. God, if I was only a little bit older. And God's saying, bring me what you have right now. Let me bless it. Let me break it. And then let's go feed the people. I've found in my life that when ordinary people develop the passions of God, extraordinary things can be accomplished through them. You know my prayer, when I talk to the elders of Rising Sun Church of Christ, you know my prayer is, I pray that during this hard season as a church, God will bless you and use you in ways he's never done before. That the next lead minister that walks into this building, the next lead minister that takes, takes residence here at this church, he'll sit back and go, what do they need me for? Look at what they're doing. Look at the people they're reaching. Look at the people they're serving. But it will only happen if you take God what you have. Ordinary people. I know some of your parents grew up your whole life telling you you're special. I'm here to tell you this morning, you're ordinary. So am I. But God can take ordinary people and do extraordinary things through them when we develop his passions. What are his passions? What are his passions? Well, first of all, I believe we serve a God of deep emotion, incredible passion, and intense feeling. Like we serve a passionate God, amen? A passionate God. 
So what is he passionate about? In Mark chapter 12, I love what it says. It says, one of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well. So he asked him, of all the commandments, Jesus, which is the most important? What's the most important thing, Jesus? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel. The Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. The second, well, well, hold on, the guy said just one. The leader was just asking for one. Jesus said, hold up, wait a minute, that's the one, but the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. Now here's something special, follow. No other commandment not commandments, he gave them two, he says one is greater than these, goes back to two. What does that tell us? You can't have one without the other. So what is God passionate about? God is passionate about two things. The first one, passionate love for God. God says we have got to love God with everything we have. Our God is a jealous God, amen? He's jealous. He wants our love. He wants our passion. That's what he desires. And I can tell you this, you cannot have a real relationship with Jesus from afar. You can't fill a brown chair on a Sunday, live like however you want to live Monday through Saturday, and expect a true relationship with God. A real relationship with God is a Sunday through Saturday thing that you live. It's a life and a lifestyle of worship. It's bringing him to every facet of your life. You cannot have a real relationship with Jesus from afar. What's the second thing? Passionate love for God and a passionate love for others. He tells us in Mark, you can't have one without the other. I say it again, you cannot have a real relationship with people from afar. You can't do it. I love people, I just don't want nothing to do with them. That's not possible. If you truly love people, you will serve people. You will help people. I love it on the wall outside, it says you matter. That's like the slogan here, right? You matter. Listen, you can say it all day long, but how will you show it? What did you do this week to show somebody that they matter? Well, I told them. I know, I, okay. What did you do to show them? Because people matter here because people matter to God. But it is our responsibility to show them that they matter. To show them that they matter. I believe in the deepest place of God's heart there's an intense, burning, passionate love for people. So as I close today, I want to answer this question. How can I, how can you make your shoes dirty? What can we do to make our shoes dirty? Here's the simple answer. We have to be willing to walk through the mess to carry his message. That means we've got to be willing to walk through the brokenness, the uncertainty. We've got to be willing to walk through the bitterness. We've got to be willing to walk through the crisis in our life. We've got to be willing to walk through the mess to carry the message of who Jesus is. How do we do that? We do that by serving, by serving. Not just inside these four walls, but outside these four walls. What have you done this past week? 
What have you done this past month, this past year to serve the people around you? Well, I'm too old to do that. You're not too old. My 87-year-old dad fed 500 homeless people the day he died. If you have a pulse, you have a purpose. Three things, three truths about serving. I'm gonna invite our worship team to come up. Three truths about serving. Number one, serving others strengthens our heart. I love what it says in 1 Peter. 1 Peter 4, it says, each of you, not just one of you, but each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Each of you, each of us, God wants to use you to reach people just like you. Each of us. Number two, serving increases our faith. Serving increases our faith. Ephesians chapter three, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we have asked or think according to the power at work within us. When you allow God to use you, when you serve people around you, when you serve your community, when you serve your church, your faith will be increased. Some of us are waiting to serve until our faith is increased. What we have to do is we have to learn to serve, to step out in faith, to step out. Let's take the step and ask God to increase that faith. And then the last thing is this, serving allows us to experience God's presence in new ways. Some of you, you've been getting the same God for a long time. Your same God experience that you got 20 years ago is the same God experience you got now. And I'm telling you, we serve a God that is new every single day. And if you've been doing what you've been doing for a long time, I'm telling you, you're gonna keep getting what you've been getting. But if you do something different, you're gonna get something different. You get out what you put in. And I wanna leave you with this, because I believe this to be true. Anyone who lives their life to serve the world around them will live an extraordinary life. Some of you may be sitting there thinking, my life is almost over. And you may be right. But if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. And God's not done with you yet. One thing we all can do is we all can grow. We all have the ability to grow. Some of you, you're just you're students, you're kids. You're thinking, well, I'll start serving others around me when I get older, when I get to college, or when I, when, I, when I get married, when I have kids, when I get a job. Right now, I'm just focused on all the stuff I wanna do. I'm telling you right now, if you're a student, if you're a kid, God wants to use you the same way he wants to use every adult in this room. You want to live an extraordinary life? Develop the passions of God. Love him with all that you have and love others the same way. It doesn't matter how old or how young you are, God wants to use you to make a difference. Would you pray with me this morning? Dear God, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be here. God, I thank you for the men, the women, the students that are in this place. And God, I pray more than anything 
that they would understand, God, that if they have a pulse, they, they have a purpose. God, I pray that they would develop, that we would develop, God, your passions. God, I pray that we would love you with all that we have. And God, we would love others with that same joy. God, I pray for those in this room that feel far from you. God, I pray that you would wrap your arms around them. God, you would draw them in close. God, I pray that we would learn to serve. God, that you would strengthen our faith. God, that we would experience you in new ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining in with us today. We hope that you were blessed by this message and that you were drawn deeper in faith with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to continue the conversation, please feel free to email us at info at rsccfamily.org. Thanks for the listen and have a great day.